0: a girl with a questionable past and a devil-may-care future. Out of the clouds
1: drops a man with a propeller blade for a heart and an expert's eye for a pretty
0: face. Hello, Old Sport. You are listening to I Saw It in a Movie, an advice podcast co-hosted by your friendly cinematic pals at Movie John. I am the Old Sport and classic coroner, Rosalie Kicks, and this is my film pal, The Red Herring.
1: Ryan Silverstein.
0: And each episode, we take a question from our listeners and go to the movies for the answer. So, Ryan, we just got finished voting in the annual process for the Philadelphia Film Critics Circle. This was my first time voting for the year-end awards. And this was your second time?
1: Yep. Uh, Last year, we did it in person. Um, at a restaurant and so we were able to have food and drink brought to us uh, this year obviously because of covid we were all remote on zoom which of course is a little bit more convenient i would say um and i was nervous that it wouldn't be quite as fun and it it, it was a little bit different i would say and um but i think i think we overall captured the 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 sort of you know the, the fun of it i'll say
0: yeah and it Well, for me, I still did have drinks being brought to me because my husband, Ben, was basically anytime I texted him, he brought a refreshed cocktail, but I didn't have any like bar snacks. So maybe if I am going to be on Zoom next year, I'll have to tell him he has to up the game a bit and have some like appetizers.
1: Yeah, he needs to he needs to bring out those uh, pigs and blankets and things.
0: <laughs> but uh, yes, I'm hoping next year though we can actually meet in person because I think it would be a lot of fun. But going through it for the first time, I I was actually pretty happy with most of our choices. I think the only thing I was disappointed in was that there didn't seem to be any love for the horror film Relic, who was from a um, new director. And then I also would have liked to have seen more love for Nomadland, but it still did get some awards from the group. So that did make me happy. But how about you?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, you know, we both also appeared on Film Scribes, uh, which is the podcast of the Critics Association. Um, so you can check that episode out where a bunch of us from the critic Circle talked about awards and uh, talked about the voting and what, you know, what we would have liked to see. And I think I mentioned on there too, that uh, I wish American Utopia had gotten uh, more nominations so that we could have voted on it. Um, you know, and the other the other two films that didn't uh, pick up anything that I really wanted to see uh, get an award or two were The Nest uh, and Shirley.
0: Yeah, I was kind of surprised there was not like Shirley did not show up a lot in the nomination process and that was kind of surprising to me. And yeah, I agree. I, I was surprised too by the American utopia. Like I would have thought that that would have been there, uh, especially because it did get a lot of great reviews. Uh, but, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I think overall though, I, I was pretty happy. Like I felt the choices and the things that did win were very diverse. So that made me happy.
1: Yeah, we definitely spread the awards out, which I always I always like doing, even though it's not something we talk about when we vote. I think people just become aware of it as things are going on. And you can kind of see, especially when there's a category, we have multiple ballots where things sort of shift around. Um, you know, and I think, I think what's interesting in voting as a group is that like, I feel like, you know, if it was the two of us, Rosalie, um, you know, or Gary Kramer, who also writes with us at Movie John from time to time, you know, if we sat down and we made a list together, it would not look like the list of winners from the whole group. And I think that's actually a good thing because the taste of the group is pretty eclectic. I feel like everybody is kind of, um, you know, I don't want to say like all over the place, but I think people are into different kinds of movies and different kinds of things speak to them in different ways. And I think it's, it's interesting to see how we can come together and kind of agree on something.
0: Yeah, totally agree with that. Uh, Like you said, it's not a bad thing at all. Uh, And being that this was the first time that I was voting, like, I'm already looking forward to doing it again next year, or I should say, hopefully at the end of this year. But we will see because, I don't know. Things just continue to be uncertain. So who knows? Maybe we'll vote in December or maybe it will be January again.
1: Yeah. Uh, And typically we do vote. um, It's like the first weekend in December uh, is typically when we vote. And then, um, yeah, I mean, either way, if we do it in December or January, I'm very hopeful that we can do it in person and that we as a group can get together, you know, at least one or two times outside of that, or at least you know, have, uh, theatrical screenings where we can run into each other and chit chat and, you know, exactly. talk about
0: it. Yeah. Cause one thing we, I think all had the same consensus on was that it was so hard this past year, just wrangling all the different films because nothing seemed to come out on the schedule that they thought initially, uh, cause of COVID. So I don't know. Hopefully, this year it seems like they're getting more of a schedule down of when things will be released. So, hopefully, it'll be a little easier to figure out like what films you should be watching.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that because with just the, with the way everything was, I mean, you know, I would get a screener for something and then I would be like, "Wait, I don't even know when this is coming out." Like, exactly. not even exactly. The- throughout the year or like I would see people talking about a movie on Twitter or Letterbox or something and I'd be like I don't know if this movie is out I don't know if it's playing a festival I don't know what's going on and so I
0: agree like yeah, I feel was... they the, they did that with the Promising Young Woman you know it got all of these different polar reviews I should say after it played at Sundance and then it just kind of disappeared like nobody knew when it was coming out then all of a sudden it's like, boom, it's coming out in December, but it's only gonna be out in theaters, which then kept a lot of people from going out to see it. Then it did this weird like digital release for like two days. So <laughs> I completely understand what you mean. Like you would get a screener and you're and you'd be like, wait, what is this movie? Like, I, I've never heard of it.
1: Yeah, and, like, I reviewed uh, On the Rocks, Sofia Coppola's movie from last year, for example, and I got the screen because at the time, there were a couple theaters in Philly and in the in the general area that were opening, and then when I double-checked with the representative, they were like, oh, we want you to hold the review until it shows up on uh, Apple TV+. Plus." Okay. So, I was like, all right, like, I'll watch it and I'll write it, and then it was, like, a month later before the review actually yeah. went up because they asked me to hold it, so, like again, it it was hard to know what was out and what was available. And I know there's a ton of movies that played a bunch of festivals last year. Um, that'll be 2021 movies for me because, you know, when I do my, my own list aside from the group, like it's always about what is a new movie that became available to me in the year. So, um, okay. For example, A Lady on Fire, I saw at the Philadelphia Film Festival in 2019. So that was the top of my 2019 list. Um, but if I had missed the festival run and saw it when it opened in February of 2020, it would have been on my 2020 list because sure. it just, it's me. So it's like I can set my own <laughs> designations. Right. But, you know. Yeah, that makes
0: sense. Yeah, when you're so... voting
1: with a you have to agree on what the rules are for everybody.
0: Agreed, yeah, so we'll see what happens this year. Um, but what about Flick picks? Have you been watching anything lately? I mean, I feel like now I've finally been able to delve back into watching things that i i not that like I really really want to watch it, but like it's just going into this library that's been sitting in our living room that I've been meaning to get to, but have kind of put off because I was watching all the award screeners.
1: Uh, Yeah, I actually watched uh, a bunch of movies recently. um, Nine of which I think were completely new to me um, for article in the upcoming movie, John issue. Um, So I'm doing a, a short, a short piece and i say short because it's it is covering 10 movies but the blurb on each is going to be relatively short of uh, famous directors and their first movies that they made in color because our theme is color so um you know i watched um let's say a lot of strums along the mohawk which was like john ford's first color movie i watched Belle du jour which was uh Louis Bounel's first color movie. I watched the African queen, which is John Huston's color movie. And overall, I think that it was an interesting project because the movies themselves kind of cover a span of like 10 to 15 years. Um, and, you know, the one that stood out to me that I wanted to highlight that I, I definitely would want to go back to, uh, was Ernst Lubitsch, uh, heaven can, heaven can wait from 1943. Um, with uh, Gene Turney and Don Amici, um, and a great performance by Laird Kreger as His Excellency, aka Satan, because the movie is like a reverse Christmas Carol, where a guy dies and meets Satan, and is basically arguing like, no, I should be in hell. Like, I don't know what the holdup is, but like, you need yeah. to process my paperwork. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I recently watched that too a few months ago because we had also bought the Criterion Edition and I absolutely loved it. Uh, it was when I was going through like Gene Tierney's filmography. So that's kind of what led me to it. But it is a great film.
1: Uh, and yeah, that, that's the one that I wanted to highlight out of that group. But I think all 10 films were super interesting and I think the article is going to turn out really well.
0: Yeah, I'm excited to take a look at it because I I thought it was an interesting concept when you were pitching it. Uh, So I will definitely be watching out for that. And actually, my flick pick also was watched because in preparation for the 2021 winter issue of Movie John. And as you said, it features color. So films that, you know... Like you said, maybe it was their first color film that they made, or it's... I I personally love technicolor films, so I will be doing a whole article about that. Um, But the flick I recently revisited was the 1998 movie Pleasantville, which I actually vividly remember seeing in the movie theater with my mom. And for those that have not seen Pleasantville, it was written and directed by Gary Ross, And it tells the story of two teenagers in the 1990s, played by Reese Witherspoon and Tobey Maguire. And they end up breaking their television remote controller and then are paid a visit by Don Knotts, who brings them this, like, super high-tech remote, and that remote transports them into the 1950s TV program, Pleasantville. And they find themselves in this, like, black-and-white community that thrives on routine, complacency, and old-fashioned values. And basically what happens is when they arrive, they turn this community upside down. And they show the townsfolk that there's more to life than just eating dinner at 6 o'clock and iron shirts and going to work. And soon the town starts to essentially change color. And I absolutely love this film. I, I don't know if you have seen it, Ryan, but if uh, not, Yeah, I have. Not since, oh, great.
1: not for many years, but I, I have fond memories of watching it. Uh, I believe we rented it from Blockbuster on my request.
0: Oh, cool. Yeah, I watching it again especially with like everything that's been going on recently i found it to be extremely relevant and especially with in terms of like people not being able to handle change and lacking the ability to open their mind and understand something different like that's all in this story And it also is just beautiful to look at. I only have a DVD. I was going to check out and see if there was like a better quality. Because I don't know about you, but when we play DVDs in our player, it's always like a little wonky. Like the aspect ratio tends to be off. Like we have to fix it. Um, And sometimes, I don't know, like the coloring doesn't seem right.
1: Yeah, it To me, it varies very much from disc to disc when it comes to DVD. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of them look, uh, I've popped in a couple, like um, I'm trying to think of one that we watched recently, Um, but I've played some in the past year that have looked amazing. And then some of them are like, I feel like I would rather watch the VHS at this point. So I (laughs) I feel like it really varies from like release to release, because I think they were still figuring out. That
0: makes sense. Like, yeah. That makes sense because this edition that we have, which I cannot stand these types of releases, but it's in like one of those cardboard cases. And then it has like a strip of plastic. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the, the, it. It, it's it like snaps. Yeah. Like I just, I don't like those at all. Um, but I we've had say, it a very long time.
1: Uh, I will say sacrilegiously, uh, all of our DVDs are now in, like, disc binders.
0: Oh, right. I remember you saying that because you were um, just running out of room.
1: Yeah. All of our Blu-rays and our Criterion DVDs um, and a handful of other releases, I think. Um, I kept. Uh, we have a couple that are, like, DVD, like, slim cases so they don't take up too much room. Uh, right. Those are all in bookshelves, but the rest of the DVDs are, are in... Uh, a three large disc binders.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, we have all of ours in the cases, but I feel like they're over the years we have been upgrading some of the DVDs because some of them were definitely purchased while I was in college and I loaned them to people or people didn't put them back properly. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we've found like when we go to revisit one, oh, it has a scratch or something like that. So we've had to replace some of them. And this is one that I would definitely replace, especially if it had cool features on it, because I'd love to know more about the making of the film. Um, but yeah, so if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend checking it out. And like I said, I will be doing an article in the next print issue of Movie John, which is hopefully going to come out in early February. So Check out moviejohn.com, where you can subscribe and pick up a copy. Yeah, now is
1: the time. uh, I was going to say, now is the time to subscribe uh, to make sure that you get a copy of the Winter 2021 issue.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And especially with the new R issue, we did not order as many copies this time because... The issue was so big, so it was a little bit more costly than our previous issues, and it sold out really quickly. Um, And we got a lot of great comments about it too, which was exciting. And I have a feeling this winter issue is going to turn out great. Um, The printer we use always does an awesome job with the color printing, so I'm pretty excited.
1: Yeah, I'm excited that uh I will probably have two articles uh in this issue after skipping the noir because we had so many submissions. Um yes. so, so I'm it I'm definitely excited to see this issue.
0: Yeah. So are you ready for the um question for this episode? Let's do it. Okay. So one of the things that I have to mention about this question is it was actually sent in through postal mail, which I was Ooh. very excited about. Um, But here it goes. Dear, I saw in a movie. Because I love the mail and you love the mail, I will be your pen pal. What movie do you think shows us why we need the post office to save the day? You have a great podcast. Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. P.S. These two characters are to put on your cinema sips so you know which glass is yours. So our listener sent us these little like paper doll like cardboard cutout things that we could set like on a wine glass or a cocktail cup. They're really cute. Well, that's the one great. says "Red Herring" and the other one says "Old Sport." So the next time I send you something, I will tuck yours into a box. Um, but yeah, I love that we actually got real mail. Uh, it's always exciting.
1: Yeah. And especially, you know, in a time when you can't see people, I think sending something through the mail, is it's just more real. Um, you exactly. know, I think that's, yeah, it's always fantastic.
0: Yeah. And as we've discussed on previous episode, I am very fond of stationary pens and pencils. I told you I'm even in a pencil club. <laughs> so getting real mail, it thrills me. So If you want to send us mail, we welcome it. Um, And yeah, it does make us happy. So also, I did want to mention, because this question also excited me for another reason. As a young child, I wanted to be a postal worker because I loved their uniforms. And I just always felt like a postal worker, like their job was so important because they were giving people packages. And I know now a lot of people just reference the mail as being like, oh, they're bringing me bills or junk. But I don't know, like in the pandemic, I feel people have grown a more appreciation of the mail. (laughs) Because I don't know about you, but like we wait at the window to see what's coming every day.
1: Well, I will say um, that I too grew up in the era of Mister Rogers' Neighborhood, in which the mailman was a prominent character, uh, as well as uh, episodes of Cheers with Cliff Clavin. So I, I've I, I have always had a fondness for the postal service. Uh, I, also, I when I'm having a bad work day, I'll often joke that I'm going to quit and become a a, uh, a mailman because at least I would get to be outside and walking around <laughs> and. Not having to not having to deal with a lot of meetings or phone calls um, so I definitely have a fondness for it. I'm also signed up for um, the informed delivery service that the post office has where every day they send me an email that has the pictures of what's coming in the mail um, you know so what? I eagerly I mean, anticipate oh, I ahead.
0: have heard about this but I am not signed up for it uh, but we have another a friend and who's also a listener of the show who has shown Ben and I this, and he gets, like, text messages, though, like, with the pictures of his mail. Um, see, and I find it more exciting, like, I see the post postal worker as, like, Santa Claus, like, they're dropping off packages, so I kind of like not knowing what's coming. Like, I, I prefer it to be more exciting. Like, does that ruin it for you when you get a picture and you see...
1: Uh, I mean, they only send pictures of like the envelopes, so it it can be a mix. So sometimes it's like, "Oh yes, my water bill is coming today," and then sometimes (laughs) it's like, like, "Oh,"
0: upset though. But
1: then sometimes I'm like, "Oh, I don't recognize the handwriting on this envelope," or there isn't a return address. The Zodiac Killer. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's all in code. See, Um, that would
0: make me. I would get so anxious then, like. I don't know. I, I haven't signed up for the picture thing. I don't know if I'm going to.
1: Um, well, and the other thing I would say being home, I've actually developed a a relationship with, with our mailman because our old mailman retired at the end of 2019. Okay. Um, and for a while we had like a bunch of different people, but now like I know who the mailman is. I've talked to him a couple times. Um, you know, so, if he sees me, oftentimes I'll be working downstairs and we'll have the front door open so that the cat can look out and see if you know there's birds in the front yard or something. Uh, and he'll like wave if he, he sees me working away <laughs> while he's delivering. So um, I, I definitely have an affinity for the mail. And personally, the, the, the pictures, um, it, it tends to drop my anxiety lower, especially when I was like going into work and I wouldn't get the mail until I got home. It's oh, just nice see. kind of seeing what was happening. And then sometimes they they will often be like, Oh, we there's a mail item you're getting, we don't have a picture for it. And so sometimes there is still still that mystery. It usually turns out to be like a catalog or something. But still, that's exciting.
0: Okay. okay. Well And then the
1: packages they don't send you pictures of. It just gives you the like tracking inf- tracking number.
0: Okay. So it's only just like a physical envelope. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well To answer this listener's question, I don't know about you, but I did have to do a bit of research to find a film to answer, because I felt like the obvious answer was Miracle on 34th Street, which, honestly, if you haven't seen this movie, I don't know what you're doing, but it is a holiday Christmas tale, and the post office plays a major role, because they essentially help prove that there is a Santa Claus when they show up to his trial and deliver bags upon bags of mail. And essentially they like save Saint Nick and keep him from going to the gallows. (laughs) Because if the post office deems that he is the genuine Kris Kringle, like you can't argue that because they're delivering mail to him. So I hope you've seen that movie, Ryan.
1: I have seen both versions of Miracle and 34th Street because I've seen the original and then the, there was a 90s version uh, that we saw in the theater when it came out.
0: Yes, the 90s version has the young girl who played Matilda, but mm-hmm. essentially she's like our age.
1: Right. Yeah. So <laughs> I haven't so we saw seen that. in the.
0: I haven't seen that one. I've only seen the original.
1: I haven't seen it since I was a child, so I, I have no way of commenting on how good of a remake it is. But having, you know, when I saw it as I was pretty young and hadn't seen the original before, so it worked for me then. So,
0: well, this is truth. I I don't often like cry during movies, but whenever I watch Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street and he and Santa Claus speaks Dutch to the little girl, it makes me cry like i cannot take it and then when natalie wood like explains to her mom she's like he has to be santa he spoke dutch <laughs> like he knows every language <laughs> and it just i don't know the scene just makes me sad but also like happy sad in a way um mm-hmm. but anyway The movie that I ended up stumbling upon when I was doing research was the 1932 John Ford picture, Airmail. I don't know if you've ever seen this one.
1: Uh, I have not. But immediately, knowing the title and the director, I want to.
0: Well, you can watch it. I watched it on YouTube, actually. So somebody uploaded a copy. The print isn't great, But honestly, I don't know if it's available otherwise. I didn't do an extensive amount of research into that. But just by doing like a quick Google search, it seemed like it was not available. Like maybe it pops up on like TCM or something like Mm -hmm. that. But essentially, this movie is showing that back in the day, there were people willing to die to ensure that you got your mail. Like, it is absolutely insane. Um, And coincidentally, much like The Miracle on 34th Street, the story is also set over the holiday season, which kind of, like, adds to, I would say, the anxiety of the characters and getting them more, like, just excitable because they're trying to keep up with the holiday rush that, like, the mail... Experiences at that time of year, like they want to ensure people are getting their gifts and their cards on time. And Ben, my husband, and I had a discussion like after I watched it how, well, back in like the day, people were like sending probably so much money and like checks through the mail as like gifts and things at the holidays. So it does make sense why they take the job so seriously because of some of the things that they're transporting. But the movie opens with this statement that says, through rain, snow, or sleet, nothing will stop the mail from being delivered. So through the picture, you see, like, airplanes and them taking off, like, in blizzards. Like, they are flying in the most dangerous weather, just to ensure that people get their packages. And I was rather impressed with how it was filmed, Um, especially being that it's from 1932. Um, But I just cannot believe people would actually do that, like fly in those conditions. Um, One of the scenes that really sits with me is this guy, he like ends up crashing and the plane goes up in flames and you see like and hear him trying to get out. But then, like as he's dying, he's like, "Save the mail." <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> "Oh my god!" Like, I cannot not imagine, like, "Oh, as my flesh is burning, I'm worried about a bag of mail." Like, it. I just think that's insane.
1: Uh, yeah, it's actually really similar to uh, the first of my two picks. Um, oh, okay. So the uh, the movie I immediately thought of was uh, Only Angels Have Wings, which is from 1939. It's a Howard Hawks picture, uh, and it stars Cary Grant and Gene Arthur. Uh, Rita Hayworth is also in it, um, and it takes place at a remote South American, you know, a port town um, in the Andes Mountains. One of the main, um, it's a bunch of like air freight pilots. Uh, a lot of them are ferrying bananas that are coming in on boats, um, you know, over the mountains, uh, in planes. And it has a similar kind of, um, you know, it's dangerous conditions. There's a lot of fog. There's a lot of bad weather. Um, you know, these are the kind of pilots that are like death is very much a part of their occupation. Yes. And they're, you know, like uh, some of them will make jokes about it. Some of them will just, you know, sort of drink a lot when they're not, when they don't need to fly. Some of them will indulge in a nice steak dinner. Uh, some of them chase women. So they all have their ways of, of coping with uh, that specter of death. And that's, that's very much what the, the movie is about. Um, but I have a, a story about the first time I saw it. Um, oh, cool. So, and, and, I apologize to any listeners if I've told the story on the show before. I honestly don't remember. But um, (laughs) in college, uh, I was a political science and economics major. uh, But I did attempt to take uh, a film class, which was run through our school's English department because we didn't have like a film, like a real film studies program. And uh, I only stayed in the class for a week so, like, three individual classes, and then I dropped it, <laughs> um, mainly because we spent two out of those three classes talking about ha- camera setups for multi-camera sitcoms.
0: You know what? I do remember you bringing this up. Okay. Because that is ridiculous. <laughs> like, why would they be talking about that in that class? I mean, I will say, in one of my early film classes, we definitely did a, sen- a like a session about like three point lighting.
1: Mm-hmm. And it
0: was literally like a half hour discussion. And then oh, it no, was this like, was playing oh, like. Go ahead.
1: This was like playing clips from that seventy show and be like, oh, this is camera one, and this is who it's pointed no. at. And like this camera's getting coverage of everybody, yeah.
0: No, 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 no. So yeah, you dropped it because it was a sitcom class,
1: right? Um, but as the way the class was set up is one night a week you would go to one of the on-campus theaters and watch a film, and the first film was Only Angels Have Wings. Um, and I've never, I had never been able to shake it, and then I rewatched it. Uh, last, last year when it was on the Criterion channel and then I picked up the Criterion Blu-ray. Um, and it's just, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, I find it a very memorable film. Um, you know, it's, it has that whole attitude of like, why are we even doing this in the first place? There's sort of a futility, I think that comes into a lot of his movies. Um, And, like, this is also similar to uh, his later movie with uh, Humphrey Bogart and Lauren Bacall, To Have and Have have Not. Um, But this is, like, a pre-war version because it's 1939, so, like, the war isn't really a concern yet. And so it's kind of, there's a lot of anxiety going on. Like I said, a lot of death in the air, but it's a little little bit more abstract. And, you know, I find the romance in it between uh, the two leads pretty, I mean... Cary Grant like there's it's you know it's it's hard to even describe he's so wonderful
0: (laughs) so it's funny because you know I I actually remember you talking about this movie I think you mentioned it on a flick pick like on a previous Mm. episode after you got the Criterion so with the latest Criterion sale I had picked it up thinking I hadn't seen it before and then this past week I watched it again and while watching it, I it was one of those moments where I'm like, I have seen this because yeah, Jean Arthur is so memorable in it. Mm-hmm. And she is somebody that I really fell in love with last year because the Criterion channel had like a whole series of her movies. And I watched quite a few of them. I and I love her in this movie and Cary Grant. Like you can never really go wrong with him. Um, but what strikes me is, you know, we're both talking about these movies. It is very similar to airmail, but something I forgot to mention was that airmail was a pre-code movie. So Mm. I feel that's why you got a lot of those scenes, like where this guy is literally being burned alive because there was no ratings code. So you see a lot of these things and you're just like, wow, I can't believe they're showing that, you know, in that detail. And there are similar characters. Like, there is a guy played by Ralph Bellamy who takes his role as a pilot, like, very serious. Mm -hmm. And you watch him go through this situation where he finds out that his eyesight is going bad. And I remember that also being an issue with one of the characters in Only Angels Have Wings.
1: Yeah, it does sound like they are kind of similar. And, you know, I I find the like 1920s, 1930s era of flight just very romantic. And that sort of like, not not necessarily lo- like love romance, but just the idea of it, I find very, I don't know, there's something freeing, like there's something about the idea of living in this like small South American outpost, but you're flying over mountains. I don't know, there, there's some kind of combination there that really just, I think, speaks to me on top of, like, the story and the various characters and everything. But it feels very, it feels very lived in. Um, yeah. Like, even though, like, it's definitely a set, because, again, it's a small area. But it, it feels like a a real, a real world.
0: Yeah. And I think what fascinates me about these movies as well from this era about um, aviation is the willingness of people to just like climb into, in my opinion, what looks like a tin can and just (laughs) fly through like this dangerous weather. And like you said, they are totally self-aware that they might die. And they're like, it's fine. And I'm just like, is it though? Because like some people, including myself sometimes, like I have gotten anxious on a flight now. You know, and and obviously, air travel is so different from back then. And there's very rarely a plane crash. But back then, it's like, oh, yeah, it could happen once a week, not a big deal. I'm going to (laughs) die. So that just really, like, and that it's part of the story. It's just kind of incredible to me.
1: Yeah, and I, I think, again, that speaks to, like, when these movies were made, you know, one of them is, like, the height of the Depression, the other one is, like, the eve of the U.S. going into the Second World War, like, you know, I think I think that idea of, well, death isn't so bad <laughs> because, right. you know, re- the real life is just as dangerous, you know, re- regular life is just as dangerous, I think maybe feeds into that a little bit, Um You know, because I don't think any of us would want anyone dying over the mail, But I think the way that these movies portray it, it's it's a very, it captures the sort of noble spirit of it.
0: Yeah. And one thing, too, I want to mention another similarity between the two movies is in Only Angels Have Wings they do have rita hayworth show up and she adds like some drama to the story and there's definitely some like romance drama in airmail as well so again it seems like i don't know if this movie was based on airmail but there was definitely some reference points um because the stories just seem very similar
1: yeah, it, it kind of sounds like the relationship between Casablanca and To Have and Have Not, where like they are very similar sure. movies by two directors who, you know, kind of have a rivalry, kind of want to be like, well, I can make a better version of that. You almost get the sense, <laughs> right. you know? Exactly. Um, and I really quickly just wanted to mention um, the, the first movie that came to mind for me, the most obvious choice. And it's another Ernst Lubitsch picture, which is The Shop Around the Corner, Um,
0: Oh Yes. Yes.
1: With uh, Jimmy Stewart and Margaret Sullivan. Um, It's just a really charming movie. I rewatched it uh, somewhat recently. Um, Or at least I I watched like it. It's fantastic. Um, You know, a lot of people, I think, in our generation have seen the remake. You've got mail, which I will also defend as a great movie. Um, But I think I think both of these are really just really fun, uh, ultimately sweet romances um, that do a lot with their central characters. Like I think I think the the emotions and the way the characters feel comes across uh, in the shop around the cor- shop around the corner, even when the premise feels a little, um, you know what? Like even though it feels maybe not super realistic. Uh, I think I think the emotions of the characters come through really well. And I think ultimately, like, the sweetness of it and the way they, they come together is really just, I don't know, it's, I find it really charming.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I love the two main characters in Shop Around the Corner. I, I love Jimmy Stewart. He's, like, another dead guy that I'm obsessed with. But it's funny, when I saw You've Got Mail you know, I was probably in my teens. And then a couple years later, I ended up picking up Shop Around the Corner and I'm watching it and I'm like, wait a minute. The, <laughs> you know, this is just like that other movie. Um, so yeah, it, it's a great holiday classic. It's something that I try to revisit at the holidays. Um, And the only other thing that I really wanted to mention was, was, you know, something that's so interesting about watching these older films, like where mail was such a main source of communication. And like now we have so many different ways to communicate with people. And things such as like text messages or an email, like you can kind of fire that off. And, you know, it goes into the abyss. But what I love about mail is like somebody had to sit down and like really compose what they were going to say, you know, and you can like actually physically hold on to that item afterwards. Cause I have letters that like, you know, I got from my mom or, um, my grandparents that like you keep and you can go back and look at them again and you can hear their voice. And I think that's, what's just so cool about mail.
1: Yeah, and there's so many ways to make it personal. And uh, I know where our house is, uh, we actually have a mailbox on the opposite corner. Um, So as long as we have a little bit of paper and an envelope and a stamp, uh, it's nice to be able to know that we could reach people.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you'd be surprised like so many times when I send mail and somebody will always like send me a message afterwards. They're like, oh, that made my day because... Mm -hmm. People are just so used to getting, like, junk in the mail or bills, and but when they get, like, a card from somebody, it it could lift their spirits and make them happy. So I think, especially with just everything we've been going through over the past year, you know, the next time you're looking for an activity, maybe send a postcard to somebody.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I enjoy sending postcards to people uh, when I I travel. So that's another another thing I highly recommend, especially from other countries.
0: That's totally fun. Um, I always like sending from other countries because I love to see like how they like their stamps and how Mm -hmm. they postmark things. It's always fun. But when you're sitting down to write your letter, you have to remember there were people that were willing to die for that. And that I think is amazing. Um, but yeah, I, I really like your picks and I hope our listener does too.
1: Yeah. And, and this was a great question because again, like no, nothing was, you know, terribly obvious. Like we, I think we both had to think about it a little bit. Um, yeah. We so actually this is like, a great question.
0: We had to do something. <laughs> <laughs> um. Great. So before we sign off, don't forget that you can find a breakdown of the episodes on moviejohn.com where you can also subscribe to our quarterly print movie zine that we were talking about earlier. and our first issue of 2021 will celebrate and feature the use of color in movies. So don't let the gray days of winter get you down. You can get lost in the brilliant hues of Movie John's winter issue. And again, available for pre-order at moviejohn.com slash shop. And you can follow the show on social media. We are on Twitter at I Saw It in a Movie. And if you're seeking advice, you can send us your questions through email at movie at gmail.com. Or you can also send us postal mail like our listener did. And you can send that to P. O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA 19145, attention Movie John. And all that information is also on our website, MovieJohn.com. So Ryan, where can people find you on the internet?
1: Uh, sure, they can find my writing in the pages of Movie John and on MovieJohn.com. Uh, or you can follow me on letterboxd and twitter at silber whatever that's with the
0: yes and you can find me on instagram at the.oldsport or twitter at bonjouroldsport i'm also on letterboxd at Rosalie kicks and you can check out my other podcast cinematic crypt in which i go 6 feet under to uncover films of hollywood's past and you can find that wherever you catch your pods or download at moviejohn.com. And Ryan, did you have any advice this week?
1: Uh, I do. So from Only Angels Have Wings, um, one of my favorite things in the movie is a recurring bit between uh, Cary Grant and Gene Arthur where he keeps asking her for um, for matches. And at one point... Uh, she's like, isn't it about time you start carrying some of these, some of these. Um, and so I think, you know, once, once the world opens back up a little bit and you go out into the world, just, you know, don't forget your matches.
0: Yeah. I always actually carry some sort of way to start a fire. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but my grandmother, my mother's mom loved to burn things. Like, she was a total pyro. So when my brother and I would go to my grandparents' house, we would always be, like, burning something. Like, she (laughs) liked to burn furniture, old clothes. You know, I I really hope now when I think back on it, like, it wasn't because of, like, she committed a murder. Like, we weren't burning (laughs) evidence. But I think it was just because she was getting rid of old things. Um, but my dad used to get so mad because we would come home like smelling of smoke. (laughs) Um, so yeah, I, I always have liked fire, but my advice actually comes from a miracle on 34th street. And the quote is your honor. Every one of these letters is addressed to Santa Claus post office has delivered them and therefore the post office department a branch of the federal government recognizes this man chris kringle to be the one and only santa claus so if the post office believes in santa i think we should too and don't forget to thank your postal worker and that's all i have yeah that's all i have for today
1: that's great um, looking forward to coming back next week.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening. And until next time, remember for every question, there's a movie with the answer. Bye.
1: Bye bye.